If you're involved in ministry, I don't have to tell you how stressful ministry can be on marriages. Today, we're going to talk with Clay Arnold from Heart Life Coaching about how we can keep our marriages healthy while still involved in serving the church. Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Well, hello. Happy New Year. For those of you who uh, may be catching this in the first week of January, this is the first week of January, right? Yeah. Uh, welcome to uh, another edition of the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson, and uh, Michael Gray is with us today. Michael, how are you? Doing great. All right. Normally, we have Steve Lacey, uh, part of things. Steve is not with us today. He'll be back with us on another podcast here in the near future. So, uh, did you have a nice New Year's, Michael? Yes, very uneventful, uh, which is... Uh what I was going for this year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's absolutely. We, uh, that's my philosophy as well. Well, we have a guest today on our podcast. This is, uh, we're going to talk today about the challenge of ministry and marriage. And, uh, it is a challenge, but uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of dissect that a little more. This is episode 271 in, in this format, although we've been doing video podcasts and podcasts for well over 10 years. Whoa, Clay, Clay Arnold is our guest today. Clay is, uh, uh, part of, uh, life. I'm sorry, heart life coaching. And, uh, Clay has been doing this for, uh, what about 15 years with this, uh, when it comes to coaching? Yeah, 15 years for, with coaching, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was a pastor uh, for 20 years before yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I met Clay. We were talking before the podcast here that I met Clay. We met each other about 36 years ago. Wow. And uh, Clay has been doing missionary work, uh, which is where I met him initially, uh, pastoring, as he just mentioned. You also were involved in some law enforcement, too, right? Yeah, back before back before ministry. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and yeah. as we just said, he's been a life coach, uh, him and his wife for for over fifteen years. They've got four children. Uh, I only know one of them, and she was like two years old when I met her. Uh, but you've got uh, three other kids, uh, three daughters, and one son, and they're all grown up. Uh, they are. You got grandkids. With their own kids. Them. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, heart life coaching. Uh, we're going to talk about this as it pertains to ministry and. There are some stats out there that are very disturbing, and they've been around for a long time. Uh, I saw one stat that said uh, over 39% of people involved in ministry pastors have had extramarital affairs, at least one mm -hmm. extramarital affair. And uh, I, I actually did some double checking on that, and that's I've seen several stats around that area, 39 40%. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that's, that's just true. amazing. Uh, there's also a survey that was done recently uh, of Protestant people that are involved in ministry, and uh, they found that 25% uh, of clergy women and 20% of clergy men have been been divorced at least once. Uh, and so it goes to say that that and you're involved in ministry, uh, which most of you listening to this podcast, I'm sure, are involved in some capacity, pastoral, key volunteer, whatever. Uh, ministry is stressful and ministry is also stressful on your relationships and your marriages. Mm -hmm. So Clay, yeah. uh, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't officially welcome you. Thanks for being our Thanks. guest today. Thanks. Thank Glad you for being here. here. Yeah. 
Well, we're glad you're here. And and this is an area that you're an ex expert in. So tell me, I'm going to kick things off. I'll let Michael ask some questions here in a moment. But why is why is it doing ministry and, and, and marriage? Why is it so difficult at times? Why, why is ministry so hard on marriages? Well, let me answer that as a recovering Pharisee and a recovering people pleaser. Uh, <laughs> part of that is that a lot of people go into ministry and thinking ministry is the end all. And the reality is there's a biblical premise about relationship that's kind of the opposite. From Genesis on, God intended marriage and family so the church how to be the church instead of the other way around but we go into that thinking the other direction and then we get in there and if you have a tendency toward people pleasing or you know you're in it for you know with good intentions but it's hard to not do that particular thing then that stress starts to happen because your focal point becomes what you're doing in the church and your relationship suffers because of that so, and that's a big part of that. Yeah, I, I can certainly relate to that. Michael and I have both been involved in ministry and Steve is not here, but Steve has been involved, maybe not as a pastor, but he has been involved in leadership teams and, and, uh, and, and involved in boards. So we, we, we certainly can understand that. Uh, I think that's interesting because I know when I first got involved in ministry in the late seventies, that was my goal was, Oh, ministry. I want to, I want to serve God. I want to serve Jesus. And, and I just thought, well, this is it. I, you know, I'm doing it now and, uh, this is it, but it did have a strain well, we were, on my marriage. We were actually taught that, you know, those of us that came out of the Jesus movement time frame, you know, ministry was everything and that was up front and everything else was secondary to that. And we were actually taught that with yeah. it. Problem is, you know, as you do real life and the, try to do a relationship in the midst of trying to do that, and particularly pastorally, that's going to be a pushback if you're not really careful. Yeah, absolutely. What are the warning signs that you may have a marriage that's in trouble? Because I don't know about you, but but uh, I, I was married 10 years and divorced, and now I've been married 27 years to my second wife. And uh, especially in that first marriage, I didn't necessarily see the warning signs, or if I did, <laughs> I was living in denial. Uh, what, what are some of the warning signs for people that, that their marriage might be in trouble? Well, a couple of things would, would apply there with it. One is we sign I use a threefold test on ourselves all the time because we're still in full-time ministry, even though we're doing what we're doing. What are you spending your time doing? What are you spending your focus on? And, you know, what are your priorities? And we kind of filter what's happening with that. And particularly when we get to where we're so busy that we're passing in the night, which happens so often in ministry, we kind of go back to that scale and start looking at, okay, where are we here? What does that like? The other thing that's a real concern is what I call a parallel marriage. We basically we're nice roommates, but we don't realize we are. And we connect over when the gas bills do or when the kid needs to go to soccer and we may have sex every once in a while, but other than that, we're living two different lives parallel. That's probably the biggest thing to recognize is if when's the last, and I ask couples when they come to us, ministry couples in particular, you know, when's the last time you went on a date? When's the last time you had sex? When's the last time you had some time connecting emotionally and talking about, you know, your dreams and your feelings and 
where you want to go in life and where you are now because everybody goes through different seasons. Uh, are you doing any of that stuff? And the majority of the time, uh, the answer to that is no, uh, particularly when they come and see us two on two for coaching, for relational coaching with that. And an interesting stat uh, that we've discovered just on the people that we've seen through the years is the average couple that comes to see us waits seven years from the time they initially start having problems to go and get help. And that's a huge deal. And that's kind of what, why we're involved in doing this and why you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about today about the course we've designed and workshops we're doing and other things to try to be preemptive and get people ahead of working on their relationship before they get to that crisis place. Because once they're there, it's pretty tough, and especially after seven years worth. That's a lot of negativity in that space between you. And that negativity is toxic. It's, my, my wife has this illustration of it being like uh, babies when they're little uh, and you put them in a nice bubble bath and they poop in the bathtub because little, little ones don't control themselves very well. Well, do you leave the kid in the tub when that happens? Of course not. You get the kid out and you wash them off and you disinfect the tub and do all this stuff. Why? Because you know what's in the tub is toxic. But we'll let negativity get in that space between us, which is actually the relationship itself. There's you and I and the relationship. Uh, we'll leave that toxicity in there for years at a time and do nothing with it. And then we wonder why we have problems because <laughs> there's so much negativity and so much toxicity in that space. So that's, that's, that's a big deal. To get that out and put positive stuff in that uh, is a huge game changer because it is toxic. Michael, you have any things you want to ask Clay as we move on here? Yeah, as I, I as I've in, in what I do is I've worked with a few pastors. Uh, I find that uh, I often work with very driven pastors, mm -hmm. uh, like like, and I was again, I am <laughs> a recovering people pleaser <laughs> um, <laughs> because I did not have healthy balance in my life, mm -hmm. including my relationship to my wife and to my kids, I was very driven to accomplish something great in ministry. And I had blinders <laughs> to mm -hmm. things that really matter. And I was out of balance. I was really out of balance. Mm -hmm. And what I find is there's, there's some commonality to those ministry folks that are driven some of it we've been taught and some of it we, we just learn that we we ignore everything other than the what we think should be the one thing and we leave our family behind yep. so how, how do we how do we help that driven person see the error of their ways mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things is it, there's another facet to that, too, which is church culture a lot of times pu pushes that on us uh, as a clergy person, as a clergy family uh, and re recognizing. And you kind of have to go back, you know, you know, in the particular place where I pastored through three years when I would initially interview with a church, for example, et cetera. You know, I would I would let it be known, you know, my priority is my family and my marriage first, because that's. The, that's God's standard with that, number one. Number two, my wife, in our case, is not going to be the associate pastor. Her gifts yeah. and skills are helps behind yeah. the scenes. So if that's yeah. your expectation, you got, you, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> Being up front with that kind of stuff instead of just 
letting it happen uh, a lot of times because that creates a tremendous amount of pressure on, uh, and particularly somebody like my wife, if all you know Sonia well, you know, she's sweet as the day is long, you know, but you know, she has her limits. She, she, she can turtle up on you, but she can be a snapping turtle too. And she would, she knows I would say, but her giftings are behind the scenes and mercy stuff. And, you know, up front, she can do up front, but that's not her strong suit. And she knows that being aware of what your gifts are and what you know, the, the spiritual gifts God's giving you as well is so important when you're doing this and just acknowledging that in the places where you're trying to do ministry, whether that be a parachurch ministry or, or church or whatever, uh, and being in front of that. For the people pleasing in, I, I really encourage people and really take a look at a lot of times we find that the habit of people pleasing is probably not just about what they're doing in church, it's getting aware that they have history with that back here in the past too. And that awareness makes it where that enters in into the present and into what they're doing. And a lot of times that's, that's enough to interrupt the pattern of just being aware of, you know, growing up, you may be put in that position. You know, if you had a family system like mine growing up, boy, that was, that was the deal. Uh, so it was easy to bring that into ministry uh, as part of that. In the process, though, you know, in our early years of ministry, we had problems in our relationship and our kids suffered uh, because of that, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, within that, you before we got on, Phil, you asked me a question about my big wake up call with all this was my kids. Your kids. My Heather, um, my oldest, yeah. you know, at times she really, because we weren't okay as a couple, I think she suffered more. Uh, as, as a clergy kid, uh, uh, tell, me how, tell me, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was going to ask you this a little bit later. How, how do, how did she suffer specifically and, and how do pastors, kids, PKs, and I think Mike, you're a PK, right? Uh, how do they suffer when, I mean, just specifically. So, so if I'm listening to this podcast, can I see some signs that my kids may yeah. not be very healthy? I'm going to tell you a lot. Most of it is about what you're doing with each other as a couple and how your relationship is. Because I, interesting, I, I've talked to all my kids about this interestingly during the holiday before you sent this question and Heather, my oldest, you know, pretty much, you know, has told us, well, you know, because y'all were not in a place growth wise personally, as well as a couple, our relationship wasn't the best it could be. Plus I was doing all the people pleasing stuff on top of it. So she kind of got left out of that picture because the priority was ministry and not the marriage and not family. And that reaped fruit because, and also I didn't protect, you know, look over her, you know, there were several church situations where people were, I've learned years later, they were making comments to her and stuff that was totally off, you know, inappropriate for people within the church to be doing. You know, and as a teenager, she's having to deal with all that. that. You know, that's that. And I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, nor was I paying attention because I was busy doing the other stuff. And relationally, we were in a different place. My third daughter, we had the same conversation. My third daughter, once we started growing ourselves and doing a lot of internal work within ourselves, but also uh, in our relationship, getting our relationship to where we were just more than surviving, where we started to thrive. Uh, which is kind of what led us into doing what we do now. You know, her comment was, it was a really enjoyable experience for me because y'all were okay. And because y'all were okay, we were interacting 
you were interacting with us more because we were your priority and the church was second uh, as part of that. So very different. So by the time the third kid came around, you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> some, of, some of the others may argue with that. I don't know. <laughs> what if my... Uh... What if my, my, my spouse won't admit that we're having problems? And, and in most cases, not all, but most cases, it's, it's the guy, you know, who's oblivious or just in, in denial. What if the spouse, what if one of the people doesn't admit, ah, we're doing okay, we don't need counseling, we don't need to go through this. Uh, how do you approach mm -hmm. that? Well, I, part of it is, and one of the things we teach in all the work that we do is the embracing of differences. Your reality, in this case, your spouse's reality of what's going on in the situation is just as valid as what yours is personally. And are we really learning and listening to each other? Most of the time we don't listen, you know, and our culture teaches us that we get accolades for Toastmasters and talking and all this stuff, but we don't for listening. And we know now neuroscience tells us now that the average person retains 17% of what they hear. And that's if you're in a good mood. If you're in any way distressed or in a state you don't need to be, that number will drop considerably. And it's because we have a little lawyer and a little analyst that sit on our shoulder. Bill, if you're talking to me and I'm pre preparing my rebuttal or I'm figuring out how to fix it, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I'm doing this instead. And non-verbally, you know that in a heartbeat. Now, when it comes to couple on this topic of, hey, we're having an issue uh, with this, is realizing, and we emphasize this with courage of couples all the time, is realizing sooner or later, you may think everything's hunky-dory and it's going just fine, but sooner or later, the issues you are having are going to ooze under the door and they're going to impact your family and they're going to impact your church, whether you like it or not. And it leaves you in a place of vulnerability, whether that be, you know, potential for affairs, as those statistics you shared, uh, you know, stumbling into pornography, which, by the way, 50 percent of pastors will engage in this week. Uh, that's a staggering level. And why? Because we're not nurturing and not, you know, working on the relationship and making that the priority as part of that. Uh, one of the things that, that, that it kind of overlaps to something else you and I were talking about online was uh, the reason we don't do that or one spouse may not do that is the whole issue of how's it going to look? Uh, what, how's it going to look to the church? How's it going to look? You know, well, are people going to think less of us because we need to work on our relationship? Uh, and that flies in the face of a real important biblical concept when it comes to, to a marriage relationship. And that's Paul talking about, you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Vulnerability biblically is seen as strength. But a lot of times because of pride, ego, and particularly people pleasing, we don't want to go there and be vulnerable with that. And, you know, some people have a hard time with that. We've worked with a particular clergy couple and he had a really hard time doing that initially. But what he started seeing was that as they were open about their relationship and that they were having to work on things, et cetera, people in their congregation started coming out of the woodwork of saying, Hey, we're having trouble too. You know, we didn't want to talk about it because it wasn't okay to do that. Thank you for being vulnerable. 
and putting that on the table and let us know you're real and human being too, even though you're a pastor and you got to work on this too, because that's really helpful and encouraging to us. So in a lot of ways, the, the exact opposite can happen with you being vulnerable, letting your congregation know that, hey, we're working on stuff right now. Okay, we just started. It's one of those seasons. And um, and part of that is letting them know that you need to, as a, as a clergy person or as a family, you're going to make an adjustment too that's going to impact them too. Why? Because our relationship's a priority. You know, the, tech, the church is third, God, the relationship, then the church. And letting them know that may mean a shift. So heads up, here's what's coming. That's a lot of the resistance. I mean, it really gets down to, in my own case, and I'll just tell it myself, it was pride and ego uh, that I didn't want to do that. And what I'd been taught in my early discipleship years, like we were talking about earlier, of it wasn't okay to make marriage the priority uh, in my relationship with Sonny the priority, even though that's the most and has been the most important thing in my life for 40 years. And we've been together 43 um, that's a long time. Uh, and when you don't make that the priority, you know, that's going to show in what you're doing and particularly what you're trying to do in ministry. Is that true, Michael? What do you think about that? Yeah, I grew up as a PK. So everything that you're saying resonates with me. So I felt like your youngest daughter, uh, <laughs> that I wasn't a priority and I really wasn't in the mix of things and connected in that way. And then uh, transition to doing that myself because I was of the mind that there was nothing more important than the church and uh, uh, erroneously uh, allowed my life to get really out of balance and uh, uh, not the correct priority of relationship. And then let's get to serving in that. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, just kind of getting back to what I was saying earlier. So when somebody, when, when one of the spouses doesn't feel like there's a problem, I guess it, it's just going to take courage for the one that does think there's a problem to have kind of a, 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 a sit down to meet Jesus, no pun intended, but a, a sitting down and saying, look, we really do need to sit down and talk here and, yeah. and, and be realistic about how we're feeling and, mm-hmm. It gets down to a basic question, Phil, which is, is being right more important to me than the relationship? That's where it really gets down to the nuts and bolts with it, too. And a lot of times we prefer being right. That shows itself in a relationship. We'd rather be right and pretend nothing's going on, that we have any problems, versus, okay, let's, oh, you're seeing problems. Okay, let's sit down and talk about what are you seeing? Maybe I'm not seeing that being in the place of being curious and a learner instead of being right. Yeah. That's a big part of that. So maybe, yeah. So maybe uh, taking the humble road, if you feel like there's a problem and the other one doesn't maybe taking the humble path and saying, mm-hmm. okay, well tell me how you feel. And you know, that kind mm-hmm. of a thing, really making space for the other. Person. I mean, I mean, Michael, I mean, when you're all focused on ministry, you have blinders on, so you're not seeing anything other than what you're doing in the daily, you know, if you're a pastor in the church, if that's yeah. what's happening. And, yeah. and okay, there may be all kinds of stuff going on over here and you're not seeing any of it. So getting aware, taking the blinders off, looking around, listen to input with that. Uh, even with as good a relationship as, 
friendship Sonia and I had, my kids speaking into that was like, what are you guys doing? You're never home. We're never party. We don't sit down and have meals. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Those are my priorities. What's happening here? And I had to kind of backpedal and say, you know what? You're right. I need to rethink this Mm, and take another look. Yeah, good stuff. So we're running out of time here, but I want to get your website out here for people to check it out because you do coaching and you do it online. And you have different classes. The, the website is Heart Life Coaching DWF. Now you're in the it's, Dallas, I'm sorry, DFW, right? DFW, right. <laughs> yeah, Dallas Fort Worth. So it you're in the Dallas Fort Worth, Worth area. Uh, right. Let me write, sure I write this down here. So uh, okay. again, let me repeat it Heart Life Coaching, Heart Life Coaching DFW.com. DFW.com. So Heart Life Coaching yeah. DFW. So that's the best way for people to get a hold of you. Uh, they can mm-hmm. look at your website. They can see you have different plans and different yeah. uh, classes. We have, we have a three-month course, and and, and particularly for and, and a lot of this is designed for clergy and clergy couple, not only in, and also to use with their people in their church. Right. Uh, that we have a three-month course, a relational course of of how to get to the place of thriving. <laughs> Instead of surviving your relationship and how do you re-engage and do that? You'll, when you finish that three month course, you're invited to a private group where you, uh, that's on Facebook, where you receive encouragement and interaction with us and other couples that are kind of walking the journey with you as part of that. And we also invite you to come to one of the, what we have a safe conversations workshop that we teach online as well as live. And we do that for churches and, and the general public as well where you can learn how to communicate in a different way, in a structured, safe way than, than you ever had before, uh, which is really different to be able to talk without criticism and listen without judgment and how to actually connect beyond your differences. Because yeah. differences is the primary reason why couples fight. Yeah, so absolutely. all that's available there. So check right. that out. And so uh, I just want to encourage our, our listeners, our viewers here, because we're on YouTube here, as well as streamingchurch.tv, as well as the podcast audio here. Check out heartlifecoachingdfw.com. And, and I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for you on this, Clay. Uh, your wife, Sonia, would also be available. So if, if somebody had a question, Absolutely. they could talk to one of you guys. Uh, you wouldn't charge them just to talk about something for, you no. know, and, and, and be able to, to, sure. to get some help. Cause I, I just feel really strongly about this. I'm sure Mike, Michael agrees. I mean, this is such an important topic for those of us involved in yeah. any capacity of ministry, uh, whether it's actually full-time or part-time or mm-hmm. you're a volunteer, mm-hmm. uh, even if you're a volunteer, not on staff, you still face these issues, especially if you're a driven mm-hmm. volunteer, uh, like <laughs> many people I know, you know, you really want to serve the church but it can mm-hmm. affect your relationships. And so, all right, well, good. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry we're out of time, but it, this has been good. We'll definitely have you back on again, Clay. Right. Uh, Clay Arnold has been our guest. And if you need, uh, if you missed all that information, you can always contact us, support at streamingchurch.tv. We're a tech company, but we are also involved in ministries. And we that's why we are doing something like this today. It's not really tech related, but we have a heart for people involved in ministry. And that's why uh, we do these different topics that may not always be tech related, but very important to us. So thank you, Clay. We sure appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, and, uh, and thank you, uh, Michael, for being with us today. Always a pleasure. 
All right, as usual. And uh, Steve Lacey will be with us again next time. I'm Phil Thompson. Thank you for, uh, for listening and watching the Church Solutions Podcast. Please take care of yourself. We'll catch you again next time.